Had a good week? Yes? Well, that's good. At least one person had a good week. I had a mixed week. I had a great week in the time I spent away with the other pastors. That was, that was a lot of fun. A lot of food. A lot of talking. A lot of laughing. Occasionally we had a serious conversation. Um, the not so good part of my week was having to drive through Sydney to get there. <laughs> Can't have everything, I guess. <laughs> this week we're continuing on our spiritual discipline series. And today's topic is celebration. And we will, as I've promised, we will get to some of the more traditional spiritual disciplines. But I've had a few people come up and say to me, I've never really heard of a spiritual discipline series that covers love and worship and generosity as spiritual disciplines. Well, today is celebration. And again, it's not one of the more traditional spiritual disciplines, but I, if we define spiritual disciplines as something that we need to work at in order to reflect and honour God because it doesn't come naturally, then everything we've looked at so far it certainly should be thought of as a spiritual discipline. Right? So we're going to look at celebration today. But before we start, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you do want us to know you, that you do want us to draw close to you and you want us to reflect you. And for that, you've given us your Holy Spirit. And I pray that as we study your word today, that you will speak to us, that you will open our ears so we hear you, and then we can go out this week and live as you would have us live. In your son's name, amen. So some may be a little confused as to what's the difference between worship, generosity, um, celebration, and hopefully today we might clarify the, the subtle differences. They interlink, but they are slightly different. Um, so hopefully we'll get there today. But before we do, is there anyone here that is under... Five foot four. Five foot four. Anyone shorter than five foot four? Put your hand up. So we've got a few. Five foot four. Now you may be wondering, what's that got to do with celebration? <laughs> I was given this tip off by Adam, so you can thank Adam for this. October is in America, but I'm sure we could bring this to Australia. It is official throw a short person month. <laughs> if you are five foot four or under, you are classified as a short person and therefore anyone above five foot four can throw you. Unfortunately, such is the timing of, of life that the official throwing day was Monday last week, the 24th. So unfortunately, you're not allowed to go around throwing people after church this afternoon. 
But there is an interesting little thingy. You don't celebrate simply because you don't get thrown. You celebrate when you throw a short person the furthest distance. <laughs> Celebration is wrapped up in doing. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Celebration. Just a little fun fact. All the short people can come see me later and we'll add it to the list of complaints you have against me. <laughs> so, what is celebration and why are we considering it a spiritual discipline? Let's go to what is it first. Celebration is rejoicing in God for the many blessings and gifts that he has given us. Okay, celebration is the praising and rejoicing in God because of the many blessings and gifts he has given us. That's celebration. Now, how, do we com- how does that all fit in with the others we've looked at? Worship is how we live each and every day because he is worthy. Okay, Worship is how we live each and every day because he is worthy. Celebration is giving thanks to God for the gifts and blessings he has given us. Generosity, that Nev spoke on last week so eloquently, is our response to God's blessings by having a kindness mindset that shares his, God's blessings that he has blessed us with with others. And living like that is an act of worship. And of course, we do it all with love. Let's go through that again. I see many blank faces. <laughs> Worship is how we live because God is worthy. Simply because God is, is how we live. That's worship. Celebration is praising and rejoicing in God because of the many blessings and gifts he gives us. Generosity is sharing those blessings with others and by sharing those blessings with others, that is worshipping God. And we do it all with love. So there's a subtle difference between them, but they do all interlink. Now, the key thing to remember in celebration is found in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And I know you're all about to repeat it. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In other words, when you're celebrating what God has blessed you with, when you're praising God, you do it to honour God. You don't do it to honour God yourself you don't do it just to please yourself you do it to bring honor to God that's celebrating now if we are not careful or if a person is not careful when they celebrate it can erode into gluttony or greed and glorifying self it can quickly degenerate into that because we are not God. We are sinful creatures and we're actually very selfish creatures. 
our natural point blank, our natural instincts is to look after who? Ourselves. We naturally look after ourselves first. And if by looking after ourselves that happens to benefit other people, aren't we good? But that's not what celebration is. Celebration is giving praise and honour to God because of what he has given us, regardless of whether we're worthy or not. Now in Matthew 10, 19, Jesus is responding to the many accusations that he used to get because he was regularly called a drunkard, a drunk and a glutton. Now, we all scoff at that and go, yeah, 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 as if. No, the wine back then in Jesus' day, which he used to drink, and if you look at the story of making wine in John chapter 2, it was alcoholic wine. That, it was good stuff, apparently. Confused the tripe out of the master of ceremonies. Jesus drank alcoholic wine. But everything he did, including drinking alcoholic wine, he did so in a way that brings glory to God. And it's hard to imagine Jesus sitting there going, oh, time to knock off, put the feet up, kick the boots off, let's get smashed. It just wouldn't have come out of Jesus' mouth. Everything Jesus did, sinners, tax collectors, rejects, all the very people that the religious leaders rejected used to flock to Jesus. Why? Because he loved and accepted them with agape love. He lived his life in worship to God. He was generous with his time to them. And everything he did, he celebrated God and God's creation and brought other people along to celebrate God with him. That's what Jesus did. It's hard to imagine people not enjoying time with Jesus. And regularly, when he did spend time with tax collectors and sinners and adulterers and all these other rejects of society, what happened? What happened when Jesus entered tax collectors' homes? He made an impact on their life to the point where regularly they turned back to God. They started giving God the glory and honour that God deserves. Why? Because they had understood and been accepted by Jesus and realised who God really is. So why do we need to celebrate spiritual discipline? Well, we've kind of already covered that. Naturally, we look after ourselves. Naturally, celebrating God and celebrating God's blessings by giving God the glory and honour doesn't come so naturally to us, does it? We look out for ourselves. And when something good happens, we go, aren't we good? Aren't um, Look how good I did. When something bad happens, God, it's your fault. But when something good happens, <laughs> I'm good. 
We kind of have that reversed around. And that's why celebration should be thought of as a spiritual discipline. So what do we, where do we see that in the New Testament? That's the way that we're going through this series. What is it? How do we see it in the New Testament? How does it apply to us today? So how do we see it in the New Testament? And I had Marion read out Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Celebrate in the Lord always. And again, I will say it. Celebrate. Be happy. Rejoice. Give honour. Give praise. Give to God what is God's. Paul must have been living the high life, right? Any, a couple of years ago now, about two years ago, we did a series on Philippians in the church. Anyone remember where Paul was when he wrote Philippians? Prison, that's right. I can tell you, Roman prisons 2,000 years ago were not the equivalent of our five-star hotels today. They are not the equivalent of our three-star hotels today. They were brutal, ugly places. Often, if a prisoner's family or friends did not supply their needs, including food, they got nothing. And Paul's sitting in this prison and he's going... Rejoice. Celebrate in the Lord. The Lord is good. The Lord is great. Celebrate in him. Kind of ironic, don't you think? But that's what Paul teaches. And then he goes on in verse 5. And he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentleness is an act of celebration and rejoicing in God. Why? What characteristic characterised Jesus? There was quite a number I get, but would you say gentleness characterised Jesus? Yeah. Quite regularly, Jesus responded with gentleness. If we think back to the Beatitude series we did early in the year, what was meek? How did we understand meek? Anyone remember? Nope. That's on YouTube. Go listen. <laughs> Meek was like a horse who's being broken in. Your attitude changes more and more to reflect God. God's thinking. That was meek. Instead of putting ourselves first, we need to reflect God more to each other and to the world. And that's what Paul's saying here. Gentleness is an act of celebration. When we treat other people with gentleness, when we treat other people in line with the way God wants us to treat them, that is celebrating what God has done for us. 
because God certainly didn't give us what we deserve, did he? He showed us grace. He was gentle with us. And then in verse 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That may sound a bit of an odd odd verse, but Paul's saying in every situation, whether it's going great, whether it's going bad, whether it's going ugly, pray to God. As you celebrate God's blessings in your life, celebrate it by praying in every situation. Celebrate God's blessings by praying. Praying should be a part of our acts of celebrating God's goodness. Then he goes on in verse 8, which is just a logical outcome of praying, of living our lives with prayer as an important part of it. What does verse 8 say? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's just a logical outcome. In other words, whatever you think about, that's what's going to come out in your life. If you want to live a life of celebrating God's goodness, you've got to put God's goodness into your mind, into your heart. How do we do that? Praying is one of them. And what's the other? Yeah, talk about it. Reading the Bible. Two of the biggest ways to get God's understanding and fill your minds and fill our hearts with God is to pray to God, actually speak to him, and read his revelation of himself to us. And funnily enough, that's what's next week's sermon in spiritual disciplines, praying and reading the Bible. See, I've said it before, but it's hard to soar with eagles if you're surrounded by turkeys. Whatever you put into your heads and your hearts is what comes out of your mouth. If you think back to Mark chapter 7, you've got Jesus talking with the Pharisees and they're accusing him and his disciples of defiling and being sick and being unclean because they didn't wash their hands a particular way. And Jesus starts pushing back, saying, you're very convenient at forgetting God's laws and holding your own traditions up. In other words, God set out a bunch of laws. They're in the Old Testament. And what the Pharisees had done was, because they revered God so much, they put a fence around God's laws. And so you weren't allowed to break man-made laws And by not breaking them, you couldn't get near breaking God's laws. But what they then done is elevated man laws above God's laws and put more importance on them. And Jesus goes on to give an example of that. And then the disciples come along later on to Jesus in quiet 
and they go, can you explain it to us? And Jesus does a face palm because he's been through this a thousand times with them and they still haven't got it. But he starts talking about, don't you understand that whatever you put into your mouth, i.e. whatever you eat, goes into your belly and goes out the other end. It doesn't make you unclean before God. Depends if you eat my cooking or not. (laughs) If you're eating my cooking, then yes, rubbish in, rubbish out. (laughs) But it's not what goes into your mouth and out your bowels that makes you unclean before God. It's what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. It's what's in your mind is going to come out of your mouth. And if you want to change what comes out of your mouth, then you need to change what's in your heart and in your mind. Does that make sense? And how are you going to worship God if there is complete slop coming out of your mouth? How are you going to celebrate God's goodness? How are other people going to see you celebrating God's goodness if all that comes out of your mouth is verbal dribble? Therefore, we need to fill our hearts and our minds with God's word, with speaking to God, in order to have that override our own selfish thoughts and desires. So, if that's how it's seen in the New Testament, how do we do that? By reading, praying, I get it. What? Let's look at it on a more practical level. Let's take one example. If we're going to fill our minds and our hearts with God's blessing, then let's look at one example. How many people can say this off the top of their head? John 3, 16. Say it. So let's break that down. If you're on Facebook, you will have seen this picture. If you're not on Facebook, you won't have. For God, the greatest source, so loved the greatest heart, the world, the greatest extent, that he gave the greatest sacrifice, his only son, the greatest gift, that whoever, the greatest invitation, believes in him, the greatest terms, should not perish, the greatest deliverance, but the greatest difference, have eternal life, the greatest promise. That one verse You could actually do a whole 10 sermon series on if you wanted to. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There is the greatest God with the greatest love giving the greatest gift with the greatest terms on the greatest sacrifice with the greatest 
reward. That is what should be filling our minds, filling our hearts. Because when we start understanding that, we then start to live a life of rejoicing because we know that it's actually God's doing. Everything we have is God's doing. Yes, we live in a broken world. Yes, we are broken people. But that does not change God's goodness coming through. And yes, some situations suck. There are some things we find ourselves having to face that we would not have chosen for ourselves and they are not of what God would necessarily have in his perfect creation. Does that mean God's failed? No. It means we live in a broken world. And one day, God's going to come back and make everything perfect. But in the meantime, he is going to bring good out of that suckful situation. doesn't mean it's not suckful. It means good will come out of what sucks. Somehow, in some way, God will make it right. Let's have another picture to start filling our minds with as we want to celebrate. We had another two readings from Revelation. How good are they? Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, everyone will get the rewards for what they have done. They will get the due course. If you have completely rejected Christ, you will get your wishes. You will have eternity without God. There is a concept called universalism. It says that in the end, because God's love, he'll let everyone into heaven. If you choose to reject God and say, I don't want to know you, God, God goes, okay, you can have that. But on the other hand, if you live your life earnestly desiring to serve God, doesn't mean you're perfect, you're not. You're still going to make mistakes, you're still going to sin, but you will get your rewards. God's word assures us of it. And we had two beautiful readings from Revelation. Let me read another one. From the beginning of Revelation 22, rather than starting at verse 12, this is starting at verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever how awesome is that picture if we want reason to celebrate just go read revelation 22 1 to 4 1 to 5 that's all i just read then 
It's an amazing picture that we get to celebrate and spend eternity with God. The greatest part of eternal life is not the eternal life part. It's not the goes on forever. It's we get to be in God's presence. That's the best part. That's the celebration. And we celebrate God, and we celebrate God's blessing for us by living that out now. Our greatest goal as followers of Christ should be to live God's kingdom now. Give Wingham and the Manning Valley a taste of God's kingdom now. Let them see just an inkling of what it's going to be like in that holy city, worshipping God now. Last year I put out the challenge, are you a believer, are you a follower? A believer has head knowledge and that's wonderful, but a follower has heart knowledge. This week I was talking to someone at the retreat about that and we are just talking about various things. And he goes, that's awesome. He goes, lately I've started thinking about a third step. Instead of just being a follower, you've got a believer, you've got a follower and a pursuer. And I want to challenge you that if you're going to live a life of love, agape love like we spoke about, if your life is truly going to worship God 24-7, then you're going to have a mindset of generosity like Nev spoke about last week. And if you're going to live in celebration of God, then not just follow God, but pursue God. Pursue Him with everything you have every waking minute, whatever situation you find yourself in, be asking, how can I glorify God here, now? What can I do? That might mean meeting someone and going, what did you think of the cricket last night? They were awful. Not every conversation has to involve Jesus, but every conversation has to glorify Jesus. Build the relationships. Live with integrity. Reflect God. Fill our minds and our hearts with God's word and God's presence, God's will, so that we can be a taste of God's kingdom now. That's what it means to celebrate God's blessings in our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made yourself known to us, to anyone who wants to know you. There is not going to be a person in hell who can claim that they came to you and you rejected them. You love your creation so much. And I ask that you help us to live our lives each and every day with a spirit of celebration for what you have done for us so that others in the community who don't know you yet can get a taste of your kingdom now. They can see you now and want to know you now. And we pray to you that as a family we will do that with each other 
and with the community around us in your son's name. Amen.